in a galaxy far, far away, there has been an awakening in the Force. A new entity rising out of the shadows to be our only hope and the Star Wars Destiny website that I have been looking for. Top Deck TCG. This place is the bright center of the universe for all your gaming needs. Top Deck TCG has everything that is Star Wars Destiny. Use the promo code REBEL when checking out to receive 10% off your entire order. Now, that's a deal even the huts can get behind. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hey, this is Bobby Sapphire from the Hyperloops, and you're listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Through the Force, things you will see, other places, the future, the past, old friends long gone. Han? Leia! Control, control, you must run control. I saw, I saw a city in the clouds. Hmm, friends you have there. They were in pain. It is the future you see. Future? Will they die? Difficult to see. Always in motion is the future. Forgery of Imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. State your name for the record. Jen Arsen. We have a mission for you. I want to help. Good. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags rain across the galaxy. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. Every day they grow stronger. There isn't much time. I rebel. Welcome back, everyone, to Ivy Bell. I am one half of your co-host, Jedi Geek Girl, and joining me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Sarah Evans. Hello. How are you doing today, Sarah? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you doing? I am tired. I was up late last night. I was playing Super Metroid, and I didn't get to bed at a decent time. Scratch that. I blame watching a wrestling documentary. I had to watch a wrestling documentary. That is why I am tired. Okay, it's not a really massive excuse, but <laughs> fair enough. Well, these days, you know, it's very easy to get sidetracked. One day merges into the other one right now, so... Exactly. So I was going to watch Contagion, which is a bad idea right now. But I was like, you know what? I really don't want to do this because of everything that's going on. It might upset me. So you know what? I'm just going to watch something and get lost. I didn't really want to watch anything in Disney+, Plus, so I'm like, I'm going to watch this documentary about Chris Benoit and I got lost in it for about two hours and it was a really nice distraction. That sounds good. Also joining us today is the always phenomenal good friend of the show, the one, the only, Bobby Sapphire. Hey, what's up Jedi Geek Girl and Sarah? I too was playing Super Nintendo last night. 
awesome. Were you playing on the Switch or were you playing classic or were you going old school and playing the system itself? I was playing on my old school Super Nintendo system. My wife and I were playing Super Mario World. Nice. Oh, God, I love that game. It's so good. I can't believe she wanted to play, but she did. And so we busted it out and we realized we were really bad. (laughs) It's been so long since I used those like very poor sensitivity controllers. It's very difficult than like using something, you know, that was made 30 years later. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember my dad. I think my dad played it when I saw him after I became an adult for the first time in years. And I grew up watching my dad play the Super Nintendo and he died on the first enemy. Were you that bad or? Uh, There are a couple levels that you you just hit Y and you start running and all of a sudden you're dead. And you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. But yeah, I mean, we were pretty bad, but not too, too bad. Do you do the classic thing where you jump to the flag before the castle and you fling the controller in the air, like the wire goes across the room? My wife does a little bit of that. I have to ask this because I really love the game, but did you ever get 100% in it or did you never really put the time in it? And obviously it has been 30 years since the game came out, but did you ever get a chance around to doing it? I don't know if you could do it now. Maybe you could. Now would be the perfect time to do it, but have you ever got 100%? Did they keep track of percents? I imagine that I did. I mean, I was an indoor kid and I played Super Nintendo nonstop. I would imagine that I did or close, but I don't know. Do they tell you how close you come to 100% at the end? When you save and quit the game and you load the game up and you select the game file, it will have a number by it, like 57, 67. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 30 years is a long time. I'm not much of a completionist, so I bet if I got 98, I wouldn't have like gone back for more. But I don't remember, like, I got to imagine I hit all the levels because they must just go by, like, when you hit a dot. I don't think there was a level that I couldn't beat when I was, like, 13 years old. It tracks every level that you beat. So when you beat every level, it has a 96 on a star. That's how you know that you beat every level in the game. Okay. I got to imagine that I do. I don't have my original cart. I only have a few of my old school cartridges, but yeah, I got to imagine that I did. I mean, I played a lot of Super Nintendo when I was a kid. You ever thought that we would get sidetracked by Super Nintendo, but I have to ask you before we move on, Sarah, did you ever play Super Mario World? I didn't play Mario World, so I did have a SNES, but I was really late to getting a SNES. So everyone was on like PlayStation when I got a SNES for my birthday, like a secondhand one, and it was like over the moon. But I was a big fan of the NES games, so I think they did like a compilation of the three and re-released that on the SNES. So I used to play those to death on the SNES instead. Honestly, I love that system. In my opinion, it is the best video game system. It's my personal favorite. But we are not here to talk about Super Nintendo. I know we could. But we need to get into our podcast proper because we have a long one here. But before we get into our main show proper to talk Star Wars and Star Wars Destiny, we need to talk and address the current situation going on in the world right now. Right now, the world is in the middle of a pandemic and it has escalated since we last recorded. Many people around the world are in lockdown without jobs or are unable to go about their business as normal. For us in the Star Wars Destiny community, worlds got postponed, locals are not being held, and product is challenging to get. But before we go any further on that, how are you guys? And please, 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 please be open and honest. Uh, Sarah, why don't you go first? Um, yeah, so really I'm okay. I know some people would go absolutely mad in lockdown, but us sort of nerdy types have plenty to keep us busy at home. So on that sort of side of things, I'm fine. But financially, it's been a little bit of a worry because both myself and my partner Tom are self-employed. 
And until a couple of days ago, they didn't announce any help for us whatsoever. So there's been a couple of weeks of kind of worrying about that, especially as work sort of dried up completely for Tom and is kind of going that way for me as well. But luckily, the government have stepped in and helped us a bit now. So feeling a little bit better about that. But yeah, situation is just really strange, just sort of being cooped up in the house. And it's amazing how much more you want to go out when you can't, because otherwise I'd perfectly happily go weeks without going out much, without really noticing. But now that's been taken away from you. I think you kind of appreciate the outdoors a little bit more. But yeah, on the scale of things, I'm I'm okay. It's just, you know, obviously a frustrating time for everyone. Yeah, it's certainly strange. Um, my wife is a hairdresser and she owns her own salon and they've been forced to shut down. So it was, it's been a little stressful for us in that regard and just like uh, where her income is going to come from. Um, with my being a high school teacher, I'm still getting paid to do what I've been doing and just sort of like create work online for my students. I think the biggest challenge has been dealing with two young children who don't really understand why. Like my five-year-old doesn't understand. She kind of gets it, but not really like why she can't go to school. And, you know, we can't really go anywhere, even just like go to the bookstore, go to the library or do anything kind of interesting. We're lucky to live in the woods and we have like a little beach at our house. So, you know, we can get out and do like go on our own swing set and sort of do like nature walks. I've been hiking a lot with my dog, but I do miss society a little bit, which it's like, you know, society's just disappearing. I'm, I'm more than happy to like stay inside and like play video games and play games and hang out and watch movies and play with my kids. But it, this the lack of variety, I think, is getting to everybody. It is really surreal and weird. For me, I'm kind of like in the middle between you two. My life hasn't really changed that much. It is more restrictive than what it has been. I've been lucky where I've been able to go into work, unfortunately or fortunately. Yeah, life hasn't really changed for me per se, but I still find it weird that I cannot go to a movie theater or going out to eat. Bobby, like you said, it's kind of weird how you miss those things automatically when you can't do them anymore. Obviously, I am concerned like most people. I am constantly thinking about my family, friends, people in the community. I'm concerned. And it's about keeping in the right headspace right now, being alert, not letting anxiety get to us. I know that for people who are worse off or have more to worry about, they probably have it worse than I do but it's all about staying in the right headspace right now we're only like a couple weeks in I'm sure that will start to win people as we get farther in but yeah I'm just hanging in there and I'm trying not to um you know let anxiety get to me and I feel bad even saying that when I know that there are people who are worse off than I am both financially and who have more responsibilities either taking care of their parents and or having children so yeah I'm just hanging in there and keeping myself distracted yeah, I think that's a good strategy. And like, it's really easy to just block out. Like our lives aren't changing dramatically, but there are obviously people out there who are dealing with a ton and, you know, having the virus or living in a city where the virus is like rampant. So, you know, I try to sort of be conscious of that every day and just how awful things are for some people and realize how fortunate I am to sort of be in the middle of nowhere and not have to see people or be affected by it. I was thinking about how you moved out there and I was like, that timing is perfect because you have space. You have freedom to like walk about, like you said, and you're by a lake, I believe. So that's really nice for you. Yeah, it definitely feels like I live in a park, which is great for this sort of situation. You know, this is the kind of thing I wanted for myself like a few years down the line when I was ready to like think about retirement. So to have it early is obviously a blessing too. But yeah, I, I have no complaints, that's for sure. Other than we're remodeling my whole first floor, which has been like crazy. 
but it's fine. We're good. So let's, instead of looking out, let's look in. What is everybody doing to keep yourself busy and not focus on what's going on right now? Mainly just play with my kids and try and like keep my daughter on a schedule. You know, we're having her do a little schoolwork, creative time, things like that. But really just staying busy, it's juggling that. And then like coming upstairs, getting some assignments done. I try and respond to every single thing my students write. So they, you know, they're constantly getting feedback and, you know, mixing in some games as well. Mainly video games, Legends of Runeterra and my Super Nintendo game playing. I get a season in NHL 96 going. This last week, I've still been doing quite a bit of work as that kind of tails off probably in the next week or so. The last week for me has been pretty normal, although I have got in quite a lot of Animal Crossing in on the Switch to kind of escape from real life and do, you know, Animal Crossing type chores. You know, I am half tempted to get that, but I'm in the middle of a Legend of Zelda and Metroid playthrough right now. And I know if I get that, that's not going to be good for my productivity and what I'm trying to do because I'm trying to watch things. I'm trying to edit the podcast. I'm trying to play these video games. I'm trying to read your Star Wars books. So I'm like, I don't need to add one more thing on my plate. Oh, yeah. And it, it very much sucks you in. You have no idea how much time you will gladly spend picking weeds and bashing trees, selling turnips. It's crazy fun. The game sounds so insane. I see so many people playing it, like posting pictures on social media about it. Like you said, picking weeds. I won't even pick my own weeds. Yeah, I know. It sounds really dull, but it just has this charm about it that just completely hooks you in. To be honest, I really have not been sucked in since the first one. I don't know what it is about the newer ones, but I remember what that was like because I loved the first one on the GameCube to death. For me, I have been keeping busy, basically keeping my routine. Obviously, with things going on right now, that's a little bit difficult because my hours that I go in have changed. Outside of that, it's about just keeping a sense of normancy. Like I mentioned before, working on these video games, reading Star Wars, editing the podcast, staying connected, but also deconnecting and not watching Contagion. I don't recommend watching Contagion. Yeah, I mean, it's not a very good movie anyway, but I would definitely not watch it now. I did watch it a long time ago, so I loosely remember what it was about. Like, people were talking about it in a Marvel Champions Discord channel. I was like, is this the one with Grid Pathrill? And they was like, yeah, it is. I was like, I faintly remember that one. Before we move on, is there anything else you'd like to say on this before we dive into our show proper? Just a shout out for everyone to stay safe, listen to the advice, and hopefully we're on the other side at some point soon. I don't know if like, you know, first responders have an opportunity to listen to podcasts right now, but if they ever do, I can't believe how much the medical profession and even just like, you know, the food service profession have like gone above and beyond to kind of keep the world going on some level. It's like unthinkable to me. I echo that. Thank you. If you are in one of these fields right now, I would also say, obviously, wash your hands, take care of yourself, stay at home if possible. All this stuff that you hear. Obviously, practice it. Don't not listen to it. So thank you and listen to the experts. I know that this is an important issue for all of us right now, but I do not want to spend too much time on this subject because we want to give you, the listener, a bit of an escape from it for about 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Before we move on, though, I would like to address how this is going to affect Ivy Bell. After this episode, we are going to go on hiatus on our main feed until we know when Worlds is going to be. We are doing this because we are committed to a promise to you 
of covering Solar Destiny before, during, and after World in episode 97, 98, and 99 respectively. While we could just not cover it and wrap things up before moving on to a soft relaunch, that would be unfair to you and would break our promise to you. We do not know when those episodes will be out, but they will be coming. Having said that, that does not mean we will not be putting out content during this time. In fact, we are going to go ahead and move forward with our relaunch on Patreon only. This will be to prevent confusion on our main feed. Starting with episode 100, these episodes will be exclusively on Patreon until we can get to episode 97, 98, and 99 on our main feed. Afterwards, these episodes will be put out on our main feed when things go back to normal. Release as normally scheduled. We know that these times are tough right now, but if you would like to listen to these episodes, please consider joining our Patreon page for as little as a dollar to listen to those episodes ahead of time. All patrons will be able to listen to these episodes starting sometime later this month. Now that we got all the serious stuff out of the way, let's dive right in. Hello Rebels, Forever Fett here. This show is made possible through the generous donations of everyone who is a patron of iRebel. It is the pledges of those patrons and you, the listening audience, that makes iRebel work. If you'd like to find out more information about rewards you can get, as well as how you can play a part in iRebel, please check out patreon.com slash iRebelDestiny for more information. I myself am a proud patron of iRebel, and I'm happy to share my love of iRebel with you by telling you all about their Patreon page. So check it out, and if you like what you see, become a rebel by becoming a patron of iRebel. Back to you, Sarah and Jedi Geek Girl. How has everybody's last few weeks been for you in Star Wars Destiny? Other than like making articles every week still, I haven't really done much with Destiny. Most of my articles have not been about like what's going on with the game right now, more like my favorite memories, reminiscing, things like that. But other than that, when Worlds was canceled, that was a pretty big blow for me that I just haven't really gone back to. I've done quite a lot. So before we got locked down and obviously things got super, super serious, I did manage to get in a couple of sealed events. One was the one I ran in central London, which went really well. We did switch that from a draft to sealed for obvious reasons. A couple of days after that, at my locals, we did a sealed event where we all had six packs from each of the current blocks. So six from Convergence, Spark of Hope, and then six from Covert Missions. And that was a lot of fun. So we all had 12 packs each to build from using the allies kit and then we used the mr bones prizes as well so that was that was a really fun event actually that's the first time i've done a sealed event with more than just whatever the newest set was i am with you bobby i have not been able to really play star wars destiny i built my palpatine Mari deck post cm and that is ready to go but i just haven't been able to play unfortunately before things got shut down, I wasn't able to go to my local, so I have not played anything on this meta. I don't know what's going on right now with Star Wars Destiny with me. Right now, I'm just trying to get on roll on when they are on an episode, when I don't feel like I am coming to the podcast without knowing much. I want to make sure that it is an episode that I can talk about right now because I don't know anything about CM. I haven't played it. But I do want to say that since we last recorded Seth, do you remember when I was talking about how I would get three boxes and I was like, how cool would it be if I would get a Bane in each box and I would get a Bane, Sheehan, and Deathfield in one box? Well, both of those happened. Not jealous at all. 
I thought it was so funny because I was like joking, but it did happen. Yeah, I didn't get um I got one bane in like five boxes, I think, so a little bit salty about that, that you got such a good box. Yeah, I am so detached right now. I didn't even know that those were decent boxes. I was like, oh, hey, I got my death field and I got my Bane and I got my Shans and I was able to trade fun at a death field. And I'm like, I guess I'm all good, but I guess it was better than what I thought. Definitely. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, that's like really all you need, you know. Did you get any boxes, Bobby? Or have you not sort of been able to grab any in the time we had? No, once they announced that there's no more game, I didn't buy any. I didn't order any. I hadn't pre-ordered any. Yeah, I mean, I just like fully tapped out when they said they were canceling the game. Like I had no plans to play at Worlds or anything like that. Are you still like staying on top of things for your patrons and followers? Yeah, um, I haven't really played many games. I got a couple games in to record, but not as many as I'd like or, you know, I probably should be getting. But I've been paying attention because, like, you know, the guys played in an online tournament yesterday. So I was kind of like following along with what they were doing. Um, And I've been watching a lot of Joe's games just to like have on in the background and kind of keep up with things. So I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of like what's going on in the meta. I just once they canceled the game, I just couldn't get my brain to buy back in. Well, to be fair, you are further ahead than I am when it comes to the meta and being on track of things. The only thing that I'm really doing is I'm listening to Airport Gaming. And I'm following the conversations in the Discord, but that's really about it. Otherwise, I'm pretty much detached because I'm not an online player. And yeah, it's rough right now. Same question, but for Star Wars generally. How has the last few weeks been for you? For me, Star Wars has been great. I'm loving the Clone Wars season. I'm glad that that's back. I actually, because everyone's staying home, I got invited to my first Star Wars RPG group. And so I've been doing that. It's with West Coast people, so it's like from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. my time on Fridays. But I've been sticking with it and doing it. We've had a couple. That's definitely not my thing, nor has it ever been my thing. So I'm just trying to brace it and enjoy it. But it's been it's been okay. It's been interesting. I take it you are playing a pre-established character. No, I had to make my own. I got some help from one of my friends in our Discord, and he helped me build my character. I had a name, like a Star Wars name, that I'd been thinking of for like literally since I was a little kid. And I chose like the most absurd species ever that he's like one of the episode one Jedi Council Opo Rancisis. If you know who he is, he's like the giant worm with the beard. Nice, nice. Tell us more about the character. I, I know exactly who you're talking about, but tell our listeners more about the character. Like, what is this history? So I can't say the history in case anyone's watching because it's kind of secret, but I'm a I'm a spy for the rebellion. I was an interrogator for the rebellion and um, I'm extremely promiscuous i'm sort of living that that life i've uh basically yeah i've had a lot of fun (laughs) disrupting everything everyone's doing by uh like needing to take you know an hour and disappearing (laughs) with certain other individuals in in the galaxy so that's been fun i think you just elevated our podcast from pg to pg 13 hey i kept that very pg no one who is relegated to pg status knows what promiscuous means so are you telling me that this is like the dark side of Bobby Sapphire? I don't know if it's the dark side. I don't necessarily consider that uh, most of that stuff to be that evil, but I'm basically reliving my 20s. How's that? Without the interrogation part. Fascinating. Fascinating. Sarah, have you ever played the Star Wars RPG? I have not, no. It sounds very entertaining. I think that is an understatement. I played it myself. I played it 
twice. I played a trial game and I played a main game. It was like Smugglers and Spies or something, the FFG one. But anyways, what have you been up to, Sarah? We finally got Disney Plus in the UK. Yay. So I have now finished watching the first arc. We have four episodes available right now. They're adding two every Friday until we catch up. So I think, I don't know what you guys on seven right now. We just finished episode six. Okay. All right. So we're not that far behind. So give us another week or so and we'll be on par with you guys. So that's good. It's so good. Have you really, have you been like digging into all the crazy titles? I don't know if like you watched a lot of Disney when you were a kid, but like all these movies are what I watched as a kid. And my wife thinks I'm crazy because I haven't seen her movies. And I think she's crazy because she hasn't seen any of these amazing Disney movies. Well, we've only had it a couple of days, to be honest. So I haven't really dug in. It seems to be missing quite a bit compared to you guys. So we don't have any resistance on there. And I can't find out when it might be coming. Mando, they're following the same thing with two episodes every Friday. I assume that's because to stop people maybe signing up for the seven-day trial, binge-watching it all, and then, you know, leaving. So kind of makes sense, but a bit frustrating for some people, seeing how long we've already had to wait for it. It is frustrating, but this is what Disney is doing. They're trying to make sure that they keep their subscribers from week to week and every month. So I like the episode dropping weekly because I don't have the time to, like, binge a series. I know that there are a couple of series that I want to watch, but I haven't had the chance. Like, I want to rewatch Mandalorian, and I want to binge watch the Castlevania show and Lock and Key. Well, I just don't have the time right now to devote to binging. So I like the weekly episodes because I can watch a weekly episode whenever I'm eating. So Yeah, I like weekly too, but I don't like that they're like stringing along the UK population by already making them wait and then not just giving them access, especially with everyone stuck inside. They've done a couple good things, like release Frozen 2 early, and I think they released maybe like another couple movies early, but... They haven't done that here. That was another um, moaning point from a lot of people. Yeah, they used footage in the adverts as well, so a lot of toddlers were disappointed when parents told them they could swatch it and it wasn't there. Yeah, I specifically bought it because they originally weren't supposed to release it to September. But yeah, man, they're really sticking it to you. Yeah. I agree 100%. Don't get me wrong. I, I do agree. I love Frozen 2. It's not just for the little ones. I love it too. I still have to rewatch it, but yeah, it really does suck. And I haven't looked at what you have in your catalog, but I guess at least you have it now and you have Mando and you have Clone Wars. So I guess that's better than what you had waiting months for it. But before I move on to share what I have been doing in Star Wars, who's your favorite out of the four? Probably like the tech guy. I can't remember his name, but you know, he's quite different from the clones. So tech. His name's Tech. Oh, okay. There you go. Wow. That was his name, Tech. I just called them by their like Ninja Turtle names. So he was just Donatello to me. For me, I have been trying to read the last book I started, which was the first book of the Black Fleet Crisis, which has been challenging with everything going on. My schedule has changed. Usually I read before going to bed. Now I get off work and I come home and I go to bed. But I am enjoying it so far. Now that it's starting to pick up a little bit, has a little bit of politics. It dives into, now, obviously, I haven't finished it yet, but it talks upon Luke's and Leia Mother pre-prequel trilogy, so that's really interesting. It could be a red herring, but that's what I've been doing. I've also been watching The Clone Wars, which is on the Ahsoka arc right now. I'm really, really loving it. I love Ahsoka. I love this respite before we dive into the explosive, exciting conclusion with the Siege of Mandalore. And lastly, I've been watching something from the 80s, which is a little something called droids 
which was a cartoon series, and it is so awkward. There's a character on there called Kaiblo Ren, and it's so weird hearing that name nowadays, but it is so nice going back and watching it. It's a lot better than the Ewoks animation. No offense, Bobby. None taken. It is now time to dive into a show proper. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, it is a crazy time right now. What are you doing to make sure you stay active with Star Wars Destiny? Are you staying active with Star Wars Destiny? I feel like I already mainly mentioned this, but I've only been active for my Discord community and even not as much as I, I feel like I should be. I do think some of the like pandemic stuff has gotten in the way. Just a lot of my home time is stretched because my kids are never out of the house. But mainly just like watching videos and keeping up with conversations has been the best way. And and just sort of seeing what people are doing with decks, because I do think Covert Missions had a lot of absolutely broken cards that were likely not properly playtested, but also droids is still so strong that it's really tough for any decks to beat that. So um, just sort of seeing what people are coming up with and sort of the interesting decks that have been around. Which set do you think that this reminds you of? Is it Spirit of Rebellion broken or is it more Across the Galaxy broken? Like, where do you think this set lies? Yeah, I don't think it's Spirit of Rebellion broken, maybe more across the galaxy, but it just has some things that are like extremely overpowered that are pushing most of the interesting strategies out. Welcome to Star Wars Destiny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Seth? So yeah, like quite a few people, we've moved our local online. We've had one go at that, which was, you know, it's not quite the same, but it's something. And I think kind of all sort of having sort of keeping the group together as much as possible has been good. Other than that, I've started sorting out my piles of dice and dismantled decks from last meta that I've had. Like, So when I dismantle some decks, I just add it to the pile, basically, and then that pile gets so ridiculous, I have to sort of sort for it all, which is a bit of a chore, but a bit of time to do it. So that's kind of what I've been up to, really. You know, I saw that picture that you posted with all your awesome proxies. Yeah, so when I ran out of like cards, it's mostly hidden motives, the issue, because obviously there's limited to how many... I just kind of write with a Sharpie on, on usually like a, a downgrade or a plot because I like to have a lot of decks built, especially if like we're sort of tournament prep, sort of having a lot of meta decks built to practice against. I hate switching cards between decks. I just hate it. I usually forget and then I'm playing with like 28 cards. So I'll just kind of scribble just Sharpie on a card and put that in. And, you know, that's usually fine for casual play. So no one moans too much when I do that. Although I do get a few jibes at my locals about it. but. A lot of them started doing that too now, so. I had that happen to me a couple of times in Marvel Champions. I have a deck for every aspect, but sometimes I will play a deck and I will forget that I forgot to transfer over the Avengers Mansion. But I like to have all my decks having the same sleeve and just moving the cards. I'm not one for proxies per se, it's just kind of weird to me. But no, that totally makes a lot of sense with you playtesting for the meta and I guess I'm not really surprised, but Sharpie on a card, I just got a kick out of it. Which card did you find yourself most drawn to, to writing over with a Sharpie? So it depends on what it is, right? So if it's like a hidden motive, I'll try and find a blue card. If I can match the cost, I will, but otherwise I'll just sort of Sharpie over the one with a zero. So I'll try to stick to the same color if I can. So sort of things like Chancellor's Addict and Uncontrollable Rage has been quite popular, just because I have absolute tons of those. So you know, I'm never going to use these cards. Some of those cards I've got masses of, and I never need more than two of them. So they'll get the Sharpie treatment. 
Sharpie proxying and even just like putting a slip over card is such an art form that some people just don't really fully embrace, especially with the old Star Wars CCG game. Just finding the right thing that like looks the same is the right symbol in the top right, right destiny number. Like there's so many things about even in magic, just getting that Sharpie to look nice. Like I think many of us have proxied hidden motives, like with whatever zero cost blue card we can find. For me, whenever I proxy a card, I turn a card backwards and maybe use a slip of paper. I guess I'm one of those people who don't like writing on cards, even though it's like my 50th copy of a card. I'm like, I can always sell that. That's just how I am, I guess. Because obviously a card has a value, even if it's like less than a penny. But for me, as I mentioned in the beginning, I haven't been playing Star Wars Destiny. I have been staying active by following the meta, talking to people in the community, watching the meta evolve. Hopefully it will get past what it is right now. Like I said, shout out to Airbook Gaming. I've been staying on top by listening to their podcast and Hyperloops whenever they drop an episode. You guys have been a little lax, which I don't blame you. Yeah, we were trying to keep it up bi-weekly, but it's tough. There's just nothing. Since they canceled Worlds, there's just nothing to talk about. I completely understand. I'm just, I'm trying to give you a friendly jab. Yeah, I mean, you could stick it to me all you want. It's all good. I, I'll take the jabs. I just wish, I guess like the frustration of my response is like, I wish that there was more to talk about because we were enjoying podcasting. Like me, Joe, and Nick were podcasting again. It was like the old times. It was great. I agree. And I definitely give a lot of credit to Airbrook Gaming because they obviously focus on the competitive. And right now, there's a whole lot of uncertainty and a whole lot of, not a lot going on right now. I mean, you still have set time, you still have worlds, but we don't know when those things are coming. Yeah, or if they're coming. Exactly. But I think like with Artificery running online tournaments again, and like, you know, Sarah mentioned her Blake group is playing online now. Like, I think there is room for competitive meta to start up again. I mean, I hope that will get people excited. I think people really need the distraction. So if people can find time to do this, it will be really beneficial. Speaking of positive, looking at the positive, what is your favorite thing about the current situation when it comes to Star Wars Destiny? Probably the best thing about is just like, I guess how people have really worked hard to make the game online accessible, even though it's not like, quote unquote, legal. It's just giving people an opportunity to play if they want to play when otherwise gaming communities like this just sort of disappear. So I think like in general, TTS is really great for not only Destiny, but for basically any game that you used to meet up with your friends to play, you can play it on TTS. So I think that's my favorite part is that people are still getting that outlet. They don't have to give up on the game despite what's going on in the world or despite FFG canceling everything because you can just find people anywhere in the world who will play with you. Yeah, I have to echo that. I think sort of looking at TTS rooms right now, there seems to be quite a lot of activity where if you go back maybe a month or so, it was pretty dead on there. It was very hard to find a game. So that seems to have got people back playing on TTS, which is a positive thing. I think for me, the best thing right now, my favorite thing is everybody taking a deep breath and sitting back. The people who are planning to plan things now have an opportunity to sit back and pace things. You have a chance to take a break from the game and come back, as well as a chance to work on the meta, whether it's through your partner or online or Skype or TTS, whatever it may be. I try to be optimistic about this current situation. I don't think it obviously is healthy for the game. Not that the game was live and flourishing compared to what it was six months ago, but at least it is a chance to, you know, step back and breathe and hopefully the online communities can get more established and people can go there and 
yeah, hopefully, you know, you hope for the best with the current situation. Well, whatever, maybe it could be a chance of opportunity, but it's really hard to say. I definitely think it gives you an opportunity to maybe try out decks that you probably wouldn't do because you'd be thinking about any primes that were left or worlds where you'd be thinking, right, what deck am I going to play? I have to find the deck. Now you can kind of take a step back and sort of play quite casually and experiment with things without the kind of time pressure of worlds being around the corner. Exactly. I think that is a great point. That is great right now because with worlds being originally scheduled in May, I felt like the meta was going one direction where even though there's no competitive events scheduled right now, with worlds being postponed out, maybe it will give a chance for the meta to develop a little bit. Right now, people are play testing a lot of stuff. Do you think that people should be exploring fun ideas or do you think that they should be tweaking and working on the meta? Um, I think a little bit of both. I think if you explore some more fun ideas, like I think that's a great way to just see what's good. But I think we've all been playing long enough now that we can kind of like feel when a deck is good or not quite good enough, but fun. So I think sort of exploring the avenues where you can sort of look at strategies like piloting or like with certain character combinations and just see how they hold up and just sort of have a little fun and not get too stressed on the meta because who knows, you know, what's going to happen with Destiny. So I really think pushing the envelope and seeing just what's out there is probably the best course of action because you might find a diamond in the rough. Like I think look at um, Running Onion's latest deck where it's like Kess and Akashic Warrior with the Wookiee healing plot. And like, it's just a deck that doesn't die in it. You know, it's not invincible. I think like it can definitely get beat. But against some decks, like some decks just literally can't do enough damage to beat it. And, you know, if he didn't try and play mono red healing, that never would have happened. Yeah, for me, I just recommend just playing with fun stuff and see what you can find out, really. There's nothing, you know, we don't have time restriction anymore. Just play what you want to play and see what you can find out of it. I agree 100%. I think it's about a balance of both. I know if it was me right now, I'd probably be playtesting, trying to treat my world deck. However, I think I would be, if I was able to play in person, I'd probably play something a little bit more fun. Just because with everything going on, you want that distraction. So maybe you want to have a thematic thing. Maybe you want to play a old deck that you haven't played before. I think meta decks, they both offer different variants of the same thing. They both offer you a level of focus. One is entertainment is fun it's wacky it's hilarious the other one is more strategic and focused because you're trying to nail down a meta deck for world if worlds ever get here and it's a lot more analytical so i guess it's all about how you are as a person which way you want to go for me I, i think i would probably lean more towards the fun way but i recommend maybe a little bit of both it all really depends on the person Yeah, and if you're someone who really likes the competitive scene, do get involved in these tournaments that are going on to give you that little taste of it while we're still stuck at home. Speaking about the current meta, what is your favorite thing about the meta so far? My favorite thing that I've just sort of observed is, I just think that all the piloting is cool. That's what I was most excited for, and I'm glad to see like people sort of figuring out ways to make it work. I just think the idea is really sweet. You know, I wish I got to use it more. I wish it was going to be more of a thing. Yeah, definitely get the feeling that that's kind of something that was going to develop and get better. They always kind of give us these new mechanics that are a little bit sort of dumbed down. I think that's how it should be, really, and then it can grow and progress. So obviously that's a bit of a bummer that that's not really going to get to happen. I think for me, my favorite thing is Big Little. It's back in a way with Bane. I really like that deck. I really like 
how decks like that play. And I'm just happy that that deck is back in a way. Obviously, I haven't played, so I don't know how good it is or how NPE it might be. But I'm just happy that it's back. I have actually also been enjoying getting back into Blue Hero. And I'm not counting Raylo in that. But I actually think it's in a pretty decent spot with what they gave us this set. It's kind of worth exploring if that used to be your go-to. It's got quite a lot of fun tricks now. And it feels like you can actually compete a little bit more than you could last set. What pairing are you liking? I'm really enjoying the cow or the goat, depending on... I've heard people call him both things. I'm not sure which one I agree he looks like. So I'm really enjoying him with Luke and kind of using Luke's abilities. His power action to move abilities, I think, is decent now, whereas before it was quite ignored. But we've got some real decent ones to move across now, so... And I think other, like compared to Raylo, Raylo's probably the better deck in terms of how much damage it can initially put out. But what I quite like about this deck is it feels like if I lose one character, I've got more of a chance to finish the game than I do with Raylo. Who are you pairing with, Luke? The cow, so Jedi Knight. Oh, okay. That just goes to show you that I didn't even know what that card was. I, I thought maybe you would be playing a little bit more of Sky Guy and Snips, Anakin and Ahsoka. Yeah, I mean, I tried that, but I find him, he's just, his dice is so erratic. It's just, sometimes it works quite well. Yeah, I've had a couple of games with it, and there is a few kind of extra level kind of steps you can take with him that you kind of see a bit more as you play more of him. With the whole moving of the shield thing, is, it can be pretty clever, but it's just, his dice is just so all over the place. It feels like you really need the dice gods to be in your favor at certain times, otherwise you just get blown out. 100%, but I was just talking about for the fun of it. I, I think if I was playing for fun, I think that's what I would be playing because, you know, I love Ahsoka and it'd be nice to play a thematic ping. So, yeah, I, I thought maybe when you play fun decks, you would be playing with Sky Guy and Snips. And no, I find any blue hero deck fun, so I'm not too fussy on what the pairing is right now. I know people right now are playing on TTS, Skype, and are listening to their favorite content creators. But do you have any other tips for people who are trying to stay active right now, unable to go to their locals until they get to Worlds? Not really. I mean, those are how I would do it. You know, you could maybe teach a family member, someone that you're sequestered with. But I think, you know, the online community is probably the best bet. I would just add to that just to try and stay active in like discords or Facebook groups, where whatever you use to kind of talk destiny. Keep in contact with your locals, even if, you know, you cannot no longer play together, just sort of touch base with them now and again. Because if you're going to want your group to get back together when we're given the all clear, then keep in contact with them so that can happen. I agree with those things. My tip would be stay in touch with your locals. Make sure that even if you're unable to play with your community members in person, try to get a online league going. Talk to each other, talk about the card. Just make sure that when the community comes back, there's a community to go back to. Because if you go apart, it is more likely that you probably won't come back together when you're able to. So I think my big tip would be make sure you stay in touch with your local community members and make sure that you guys are staying a community. So when things, if they do go back to normal, you're able to get together with each other. Agreed. Any last words about this before we move on to World Talk? No, I think, I think we covered it. Last episode, we speculated a lot about World, and now we know it got postponed. Clearly, this is not a good thing, but with what is going on right now, it was the best move they could have done. 
could this be a blessing in disguise for the game? Or is this just further confirmation that the game is a lost cause at this point officially? I don't see how it could be a blessing. I just don't see it. I think the only kind of positive we could take from this is maybe we'll get moved to October and put back with X-Wing, which is kind of what we wanted initially anyway. But other than that, you know, we're kind of really scraping at trying to find some positives. I agree. I don't think that this was a good thing for the game. The only good thing I can think about is maybe a chance for the meta to breathe. Obviously, there was no way they were going to hold it. It really sucks because the game has gone through a lot. For me, it's a further confirmation. It's like the game has been snake bit since the beginning. I, I guess I was trying to present an opportunity for a positive because, like you said, there is not a whole lot of positive to be said about this. I think we could potentially, you know, the meta could be better. I mean, if there's some stupid broken stuff in the set, which there could very well be if people were you know, seriously grinding right now, and everyone jumped on that for worlds, then worlds would be pretty MPE right now. So if things, you know, do have a bit of time to settle out, and if FFG are willing to kind of step in and give, you know, sort of a balance of the force, then that could help things if we've had a bit more time. But, you know, this is all kind of speculative guesswork. Yeah, the only thing I want to say is I think the potential to move it to October makes a lot of people happy. Or they would have been happy if they hadn't already booked trips <laughs> to go in May. But I think there's potential for it to just be at that convention center with the X-Wing Worlds. I think that's what it's probably going to be too. But we brought up the meta. Obviously, the meta will probably be the same. I don't know if they will include set 10. They may or may not. But it's probably going to be the same. Do you think that it will be better or worse than it would have been in May? Because people would have had a chance to play and work on the meta? Or do you think that people are just going to relax and it's probably going to be worse because people wouldn't be as involved as they would have been otherwise? I think if people want to be involved, they will be. I think some people will be. I think that there was still a lot of people who were riding the wave of Worlds was just in October. It was going to be really quick. Some people obviously were like, no, I'm not going to go. But the, a lot of people were just like, all right, you know, we just did this. I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to work hard. So I think there'll be a great fall off if it does happen in October. I don't know if the new set affects it much other than I still worry about like who's even going to have access to the new set. Like how hard is it going to be to get? Yeah, there's just so many unknowns right now. We don't know when we're going to be allowed to play. We don't know if World Horizons is even going to make it out there or if this has completely delayed it or delayed it to a point where FFG is just going to cancel it. It's just really kind of hard to make guesses right now. It is really hard to make guesses. I hope that the meta will have a chance to grow and evolve. If it is held in October, maybe it will be better for the meta game since people will have more opportunity to play different decks. Let's be a little bit optimistic here. Let's say it is held in October and people are able to travel. Do you think Worlds will be better or worse than what it was in May? Or do you think our current situation and the time that it took for Worlds to eventually happen hurt Worlds attendance than it would have had in May? Like, What do you think Worlds will look like if it is held in October and people are able to travel? Personally, I think it'll just be smaller because it's been so long since the game got canceled that I think a lot of people will just not go. I kind of feel like it depends on kind of what we do as a community to try and keep us all interested in the game between now and then. So we've seen that from Artificial doing like lots of online tournaments. You know, can we keep people invested for that long to, you know, still care about Destiny in October? 
I think that would be the main reason we either see a successful world in October or you know, numbers dwindle so much that it's just sad times. For me, I think it's going to be, as Bobby said, I think it's going to be a smaller world. Obviously, not only due to the time between May and October and the staleness of the meta, maybe by that time, but also with everything that's going on, you're probably going to have people who are no longer able to travel financially. You're also going to have people who are overly cautious health-wise. Yeah, I just don't see worlds being the same. I see worlds having a drop-off of, let's shoot a random figure off, at least 10%, maybe, maybe at least 5 to 10%. I think that's optimistic. It's really hard to say because of the international community, who's to say what the international community will be. I could see a world where the international community doesn't show up. So, yeah. I definitely see a decrease because I know that with my health, I'm thinking about that. I might not go. I It's really hard to say. We won't know what the world will be like if it is held in October, for uh, example, here. I might not travel just because of being overly cautious with my health. But yeah, I definitely see worlds at least being 10% smaller and having a very, very, very low international attendance. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the international thing, I think it kind of... D- like it was quite short notice for a lot of us for like May Worlds. A lot of us just couldn't commit to that like quicker decision, especially as we'd given initially twenty four hours to buy those worlds tickets. So if so say it is in October and they can tell us that it will be in October, like July, I know that might be optimistic and unrealistic. But let's just say that happens. It might actually mean that some people who couldn't go now can go. But saying that, obviously, the financial state of the world is all over the place. So maybe that's not going to happen. I know I asked this question to our book gaming, and it is a hard question to ask, but I have to ask it. With current events, both economic and health-wise, do you think it would be smart for FFG to cut their losses and not hold world if things do not get better? And perhaps should they make it up to the community a different way, or should they push through and just hold it eventually, whenever that is? Well, I think that the main thing for me is I think that FFG was, this is sort of like what I've taken from comments by Matt Holland, that FFG was blown away. They did not think that they would have such a response to world selling out so quickly. If they are doing X-Wing in the same convention hall uh, as they were last year, which is what it seems to be the case, then it makes perfect sense to just like have a destiny area because we don't take up that much space at all. The other thing is though, Adepticon got canceled. So like Legion's worlds got canceled. Uh, L5R and maybe like one other game that they have all get canceled too. Maybe IA. I don't know if they do IA, but either way, like they now have to house several different world championships. So that would be my concern is that we could get pushed out for maybe one of those other games that they're still really supporting. It's Keyforge as well, right? Got pushed. So yeah, that's it. Keyforge is the other one. Yep. Good call. So yes, we're going to be at the bottom of their priority list there, I'd imagine. So yeah, that's probably quite a concern that we're kind of the easiest one just to chop off the list. And it's really unfortunate, but with everything that's going on with the economy, FSG has to look at it and be like, okay, is it worth making these products if they haven't made them already? Is it worth holding this? Are we going to make our money back? It's really hard to say. I look at it from an economic point of view. It's like, do we want to hold a world where the last product came out seven months ago? Is it going to really pay? It's really hard to say. I also look at it like they are business and it makes complete sense that they can hold at the same time that they hold X-Wing because why not? They already have the building rented, assuming it is held in October. So 
why not hold it? You know, we got the space anyway. But with those other games, I, I just don't know. I look at it from maybe it might be a smart thing for them to cut it. But it's so uncertain right now. You want to be optimistic. And I'm sure that whatever happens, hopefully FFG will make good with the community. But it is FFG. It might also come down to how far they are with the prizes and how much you know, money they've sunk into that. If they got stock paid for, they're going to want to greet their costs on that. So that might be a pinnacle point for their decision making. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's going to depend on that investment. They already know that they can sell the tickets if they need to. So yeah, I think that it's just going to be a cost effective thing for them. I don't think they're going to do it out of the goodness of their hearts or anything. That's for sure. I tell you what, I would love to be in the room right now. Well, not in a room, in the room, but like put a bug in the room and just listen to the conversation right now. Just from a business point of view, what the conversation must be like. Wrapping this segment up with another question that is hard to ask right now. Originally, all of us were planning to go to Worlds. Where do you stand right now? Are you still dead set on going or are you rethinking that? I'm definitely not dead set on going. If it's at the same time as X-Wing Worlds, I'm planning to go to X-Wing Worlds, so that would be convenient. But I wasn't planning to play anyway, so I would basically be just there because X-Wing's there and I can say hi to everybody. I would still love to go if it's, you know, safe to go and everything's sort of okay on that side. I'd still love to go as one last big hurrah on the Destiny community. I would love to go as well, but to be honest, I am rethinking things. It will be hard to say until we know for sure what the state of the world will be. I am concerned about my health, so I am thinking about that. But I will like to go to see everybody in the community to play some Star Wars Destiny and have a wonderful send-off to the game. But I do have to think about my health and where things are. So I am rethinking about it, but I want to be optimistic because it would be really rough to not get the opportunity to say bye to the community and bye to the game. That concludes our main segment for this episode. And it is now time to move into our listeners' questions. Sarah, could you kick us off, please? Yep, so Lone Drove 14 from our Discord channel asks, Destiny gets cancelled and then Corona happens. Correlation or causation? I'm going to blame FFG for all the problems in the world. Why not? Yep, blame FFG. Like, I got the Blame Canada song stuck in my head, but insert Canada with FFG. There you go. Our next question is from CM Trey 9771 from our Discord channel. And he asks, what would you like to see when it comes to continuing the game from the player committee? You know, I'm pretty tied into it. So I guess the main thing is I need the world to go back to normal because I can't like organize play with the whole world in Sequester. But it seems like they're churning forward. So I just I really hope that the cards they're making are good. That's what I hope. I know they can't give us any official OP guidance until like FFG is done. But I don't know, maybe a few ideas or hints at what people could maybe do locally or online and things like that to kind of keep communities together would be quite good. What I would like to see is I would like to see a game plan. I'd like to see a plan for the next year. Now is the opportunity to fine-tune that. There's not a whole lot going on. So it would be nice to know, okay, when the game ends officially, this is our next year. This is our outline for... It would be nice to go beyond the year, but I think a year is probably more reasonable than it would be otherwise. My main thing would be, okay, what is your plan? And... And outline up that plan for the, like the next year. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think that would all help us kind of give faith 
like help the community kind of know that you know don't sell all your stuff as soon as like ffg official stuff is done keep your stuff and you know there is stuff coming from us like just kind of knowing that i think would be massive all right, his next question is, is the Double Trando deck overpowered and will FFG make any changes to it? I don't think it's overpowered. I could still see them making some changes to Trando. I think it might be possibly a little too undercosted, but I don't think you need to make any like wholesale changes. I think it's fine. I think the meta just had to adjust people. You know, there's no meta, so people see a broken deck and they cry wolf, but it's not even like normal where you're seeing it win like a bunch of store championships. You just have a bunch of people basically worried about it for, I don't know, almost no reason. I think the concept of it is scary. I don't know if it's quite overpowered just because, like I said, I haven't really sat down and played it. But just thinking about it, it is scary. But I have confidence that the meta will evolve. I know that Albert Gaming guys are staying on top of it. People who are on top of the meta are on top of it. So I think well, it is overpowered right now. We know how it goes with the meta. A deck like this pops up and then the meta evolves and that deck is no longer around once people figure out how to play against it. And as Airbook Gaming said, once you kill one Trando, it basically changes completely the matchup. So I think it is overpowered if you aren't prepared for it and you haven't really played a lot per se. It's a little bit of both, and I don't know if FFG will make any changes. I don't think they will, but we'll see. I think it's okay. It's, as you said, as long as you, when you kill that one Trando, they pretty much fall apart. I'd much rather face that than face droids, because you can actually kill an eight-cost character, whereas droids, it feels just like they constantly have tricks just to keep that damn droid alive for two rounds longer than they should do. Whereas that deck, it feels like you kill it, and you can just kill it, and it's done, basically. They haven't got the healing. They haven't got quite the mitigation package that the droids have. So I'd much rather face that. Speaking of NPE, his final question is, what is the most NPE deck out there right now? Um, I mean, I've never thought the droids are really fun to play against, but I think, I really think it's NPE, but Bane is so crazy overpowered that like it does just push a lot of decks out of the meta. So I think like that would be one that I think is probably not super fun, but also not to a point where like I would change it. I was going to go with Bane as well, but with the caveat that when he gets death-filled round one, I think it's NEP. Other than that, it's probably more manageable. But that just feels like, okay, I have to deal with this dice multiple times for the rest of the game. And then especially if it gets overwritten as well, it's like, okay, I have to deal with this dice again. And it's just a mass amount of damage just so early in the game. Yeah, who knew that starting with two extra resources was broken? To be fair, like when he was spoiled, people moaned that it was only the first round and that was rubbish. So we've all learned since then that that's not the case. I think we saw Deathfield and Sheen Mastery and all these things that roll themselves twice every single round. And then, you know, it makes sense how absolutely abusable that is. It's definitely more the upgrades than it is Bane. But the fact that you can get them automatically round one without working hard at all is what's really troublesome. Man, I'm starting to like this deck more and more because I love NPE decks. I mean, Sabine, Pearl Mars. I think we have a correlation here. Uh, I think you'll like it. Yeah, I, I might have to give it a try. I think we need to see Deathfield put on the restricted list with Feed just to stop you getting that third resource to play that round one. Basically what they did with how they had to do that for Vader's Fist to stop you trying to play that round one. Yeah, exactly. 
So our next question is Midrin Gun from Discord channel asks, is Snoke viable now with so many damage dealers? If there's a decent Snoke three wide, maybe, I don't know that you can do anything two wide with him. I probably wouldn't be trying just because Bane just murders something so quickly. I feel like Snoke just keeps rearing his ugly head all the damn time. We thought he was dead after that last nerf to him, but then he appeared last meta with Kalos and was a really horrible deck to play against, so I would never count the guy out. He seems to keep sort of rearing his head back again when we think he's gone. True. Yeah, I think I would line up with your opinions there. I think he will eventually show up again. It's really hard to say because we obviously have droids still around. We have Bane. We have the Chando deck. It's just he'll see some action, I think. Our next series of questions is from Kevin from Roll On on Twitter. His first question is, do you prefer a red or yellow partner for Darth Bane? I'm always team yellow. I've only ever played with him and played against him with red, and it it can be pretty oppressive, so I would probably lean that way initially. I also lean towards red, because to answer the NP question, face the enemy is so strong that I like it. I like the hand control, so for me, I would play him with red. Yeah, as Joe would say, you can clear the path with red. I just, I like, I want my desperate measures so much. I I like all the utility that yellow provides. Hey, Kevin's next question. Is Vader 4 doomed to irrelevance, or is there a way to get him involved in a good deck? I think he's gone. But maybe, I mean, maybe someday. I'm sure that if we're talking about the player-created cards, someone will find a way to make Vader real again. Yeah, there's, for me, there's nothing that jumps out at him that could be abused right now, so I don't see him getting you know much play until that happens. I think because it is Vader, you're going to have people who want to play him, but I think he is outclassed by Bane, so in that sense, he's kind of irrelevant, but it is Vader. I mean, people play more. I'm sure people will still play more because it's more, you know, so I'm looking at you, Kevin, because I know you're playing more. His final question is, how can a Destiny player think more analytically and channel the inner Bobby Sapphire? Play good players. I think Kevin came in a test, like our game at Worlds, like you just learn so much from playing against a really good player that it's just so beneficial to make all of your games versus really good players. So you should seek out really, really good players. You know, just test your metal against them and see if you can talk to them about what plays they saw, what plays that you could do better. There's just so so much that you learn from a good game against a good player. Obviously, I am no Bobby Sapphire, but I think my tip is to make sure you are communicating with somebody who will challenge you. I think whenever you want to think about something analytically, you will do so if you have a healthy community and good peers around you to help stimulate that. Otherwise, if you have people who just listen to what you are saying and won't challenge you. You aren't being stimulated. So I'd be like, talk to the Airbook guys, talk to the Hyperloops guys, making sure that you are talking to people who are going to tell you the truth and challenge your opinion so you can think more creatively and analytically. Otherwise, if you're just talking to somebody who isn't going to challenge you or isn't going to expand upon your points and your gameplay and stuff like that, you probably aren't going to channel your inner Bobby Sapphire. Would I be correct in assuming that? Yeah, for sure. And I think like what caused me to get good at the game eventually was just I listened to everything. I played games against everyone. 
if there was a video posted or a podcast posted, I listened to it. Like there was just nothing that I missed and just sort of tried to to soak it all up and, and make good decisions and understand the difference between getting lucky and making the right decision. It's like just such a good lesson. Yeah, on the whole luck thing. So don't be so quick just to blame the dice for losing a game. Kind of think about, did you put yourself in the position to win? Did you, like the dice, like really poor? That's why they didn't roll well. Don't just jump to the conclusion that your opponent won because they rolled well. You know, they have good dice. The odds were in their favor. So kind of look for reasons why games went certain ways for other reasons than luck of the draw and things like that. Yeah, those are great points. That will conclude our questions from our listeners. Thank you, Kevin, Midrim Gun, CM Trey 9771, and Lone Drow14. If you, listener, would like to submit a question, please consider joining our Discord channel or our Facebook group and ask your question whenever we announce a recording of our next episode. That concludes our main show. But before we get out of here, we would like to take this time out to thank our patrons. Thank you, Peter, Nathan, Taylor, Ferrafet, Sean, Samuel, Josh, NJ Klinka, Michael, and Austin. We could not do what we do without your support. It is now time to wrap things up. Thank you, Bobby Sapphire, for coming on and talking some Star Wars Destiny with us. We hope that you'll consider coming back on in a future episode when we soft reboot to talk more Star Wars. Yeah, I would love to. I hope I will have played more Destiny by then. If people would like to find you, where can they do so? Twitter.com slash Bobby Sapphire, the Hyperloops Discord, or any of the Discords, really. I, I'm still in them all, so if they need me. I'm pretty accessible. And before we get out of here, Hyperloop's still running. You guys still planning to go till World when it comes to content? I mean, that's the plan. I don't know. We had a meeting and then the coronavirus happened. So I'm just not sure about everything. But we're still here for now. Everything's up in the air, I think. I love the Hyperloop Discord and I like love watching Joe's videos. So I hope you guys can you know keep it together for as long as possible. Yeah, I hope so too. I think we will. I know everybody knows about the Hyperloops, but if people want to find the Hyperloops, where can they find it? Just thehyperloops.com. And if you want in our Discord, it's patreon.com slash thehyperloops. And if you were ever a member of our Discord, feel free to contact us about getting in. Sarah, if people would like to reach out to contact you, where can they do so? So you can find me on Twitter under Sarah underscore SWDestiny, or I'm in multiple Discord groups. And you can find me everywhere at JettaGeekGirl. That concludes this episode of Ari Bell. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I have been Jedi Geek Girl, and she has been Sarah. Jedi Geek Girl, out. This has been Ari Bell, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at iribelldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you.
Ivy Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, Fantasy Flight Games, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars, Star Wars Destiny, and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.